After 6 a.m., good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Yo 
Shiru, shiru, la 
JM in the AM, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Thanks for tuning in from around the world, being part of this amazing radio experience, as we like to call it. Uh, Curry Bone was Ari Goldwag. You heard you did Nefesh, Shir Lamelech, Rachem, and Shabbos and Gilo, Leif Tahar compilation. Regesh, of course, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday. On this July 14th, the 20th of Tammuz, Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, the first of the three Shabbatot within the three weeks. Candlelighting at 8.06 in New York, 8.06 here in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are. There are synagogues and communities that tend to begin earlier during this time of year. 67 degrees outside with 92% humidity. Winds northeast at 10 miles an hour. Rain, thunder high, 73. Then tonight, thunderstorms early with a low of 70. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 87 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 92. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora, they've got some rain and 66 degrees. They're getting ready for visiting day this coming Sunday. We say hi up there. And um, 67 here in New York as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Big shout-out to our friends at Bedford-on-Park, um, Chef Alex continuously creating delicious delicious lunch and dinners for all of his customers. If you want a really really reasonably priced business lunch, if you want an amazing dinner, you walk into Bedford-on-Park, 61 East 34th Street in New York City. Uh, the Bedford Burger, very good recommendation. The lamb bacon is insane. The steaks are incredible. You may have seen the video that we have online at Nahum Siegel Network of me with the coconut creme brulee, one of their amazing desserts. Check it out, 61 East 34th Street in New York. They have a full bar. They have a great party room for shavabrachas, etc. Contact them today. Bedford on Park. You'll see right next door to Mendy's on uh, 34th, northwest corner, 34th and Park Avenue in New York City. 28 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday. You know what that means. Malcolm Holmline is scheduled to join us. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Malcolm Honline will be our guest coming up, if you keep it right here, at JM in the AM. Sade, Zafrovi. 
J.M. in the A.M., a unique selection from uh, Ari Goldwag that's called Katonti here at J.M. in the A.M. I had not heard that song done a cappella style in quite a while, that's for sure. Uh, before that, uh, Yerachmiel begun Miami Boys Choir. They had that medley from around the campfire. Uh, before that one, Donnie Gross from A Kumsitz in the Rain. Here at JM and the AM Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. I want to thank those who have been commenting on our app. Our app is uh, very active this morning, as it always is. First of all, Dafyomi had checked in quite a while ago during bonus JM at 5.35 this morning with a good morning. Thank you, Dafyomi Yid, and I think we owe Dafyomi Yid a mazel tov, if I'm not mistaken. Because Dafyomi will conclude Baba Basra on Monday. Dafyomi will begin... Sanhedrin on Tuesday, so we owe Daf Yomi Yid and all the Daf Yomi Yids a <laughs> mazel tov on the big, big um, simcha that's coming up Monday, Tuesday. Uh, listener Yehuda says, good morning, have a, a great show and a good Shabbos to you and Stacy and the family, and I thank you for that. And listener Terry says, good morning, enjoying the music on the way to work. Thank you, Terry. Always dedicated listener and always great to hear from you. Friday morning, it's JM in the AM with candle lighting at 8.06 in New York on this era of Shabbos Parshas Pinchas being heard around the world here at the Nahum Siegel Network, and we thank you very, very much. More coming up, acapella style, three weeks format at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
Candles, they always burn so bright on Friday nights. The smell of challah is always right on Friday nights. And when we hear and we're all dressed up, my father picks up the key to the shop. And I know it's the start of a special day.
Shoim Rav, Shoim Rav, Zohich Rav, Heimam Yidim, Ki Yilishisho, Kobruim Veyoim Edim. Zimra with Menucha Vesimcha here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Listener Yitzchak is out there, says Nachum, good morning, please play Ari Goldwag. I don't think anybody who's an Ari Goldwag fan can complain about the volume of attention he gets during our three weeks format. Thank you, Yitzchak. We'll continue to play him. Uh, Love Yerushalayim says, beautiful selections this morning. Thank you as always. I appreciate that very much. We are trying our best. Malcolm Holmlong will join us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. The weekly update is on the way at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM and the AM. Smack in the middle of July 2017. And there's plenty to talk about. We'll get to it, of course, during the weekly update. Galit Sal's in the background. We'll do our news from Israel, of course, coming up. Reminder that the um, weekend dedicated to the subject of addiction is happening up 
at Woodlake Village. It's uh, happening really starting tonight, but the uh, event that's open to the public and where they expect people from far and wide is 10:15 tomorrow night up at Woodlake. It's brought to you by Ohel and Amudim. Highly recommended. David Mandel is scheduled to join us for a final reminder in our final hour this morning. Uh, so we'll have that for you coming up here at JM in the AM. Also, Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock, of course, and then Kedem starts our amazing Arab Shabbos music mix, which seems to get more and more and more popular every single week. That happens from 10 a.m. Eastern time all the way until candle lighting time. Just leave the app on, leave your computer on, just let it, leave the listen line on, let it go, and enjoy the great Arab Shabbos selections. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JMM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן שני בירנבוים עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בפיגוע הבוקר בהר הבית נהרגו שני שוטרים, כך הותר לפרסום. כתבנו ניר שווייד. ההרוגים הם האל סטאווי בן 30 ממרר וקמיל שנן, בנו של חבר הכנסת לשעבר שקיב שנן, בן 22 מחורפש. שניהם הועלו לדרגת רסם לאחר מותם. הלוויותיהם התקיימו ביישוביהם בהמשך היום. המחבלים שביצעו את הפיגוע בהר הבית הם אזרחי ישראל תושבי אום אל פחם. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. שלושה תושבי אום אל פחם, אחד בן 29 ושניים בני 19, כולם בעלי תעודות זהות כחולות. הם שפתחו באש הבוקר מתוך מתחם הר הבית לעבר שוטרים שהיו במקום. לאחר הירי הם נמלטו לתוך שטח ההר ונוטרלו שם בירי, כולם נהרגו. בעקבות הפיגוע בצעד חריג נסגר הר הבית ופונה לחלוטין ולא התקיימו בו היום תפילות יום השישי. המשטרה נערכת להפרות סדר אפשריות במזרח ירושלים. נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין אמר כי זוהי שעתה של המנהיגות הערבית בישראל להביע עמדה ברורה נגד הפיגוע. הוא הוסיף, לא ניתן לגורמים רצחניים המחללים את שם האל לגרור אותנו ללחימה עקובה מדם, דברי הנשיא. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו שלח את תנחומיו למשפחות ההרוגים. בעמודו הרשמי בפייסבוק כתב נתניהו, זהו יום עצוב בו אכן ובני העדה הדרוזית משלמים את המחיר הכבד ביותר. אני מצדיע להם ולגבורתם, כך ראש הממשלה. נתניהו שוחח לפני זמן קצר עם ראש הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן, כתבתנו אילאיל שחר. אבו מאזן טלפן לנתניהו וגינה את הפיגוע בהר הבית. הוא ביקש שישראל תפתח מחדש את ההר למתפללים. נתניהו הבטיח שהסטטוס קוו לפיו רק מוסלמים רשאים להתפלל בהר הבית יישמר. שר הביטחון ליברמן אמר לפני זמן קצר שמי שהופך מקום קדוש לזירת פיגוע טרור מבצע מעשה נתעב שמטרתו להצית אש בין בני הדתות השונות ולערער את היציבות באזור. שר החינוך וחבר הקבינט המדיני-ביטחוני נפתלי בנט קרא לנקוט צעדים חריפים נגד הפלסטינים. אל מול ההסתה הפלסטינית רק יד של פלדה. לא הכפלת העיר קלקיליה שעל כביש 6 ולא יבוא מיליוני צאצאי פליטים פלסטינים מארצות ערב לתוך אדמתנו. רק יד קשה מול אויב אכזר. מדד המחירים לצרכן ירד בחודש האחרון בשבע עשיריות האחוז, כך מפרסמת בשעה זו הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי מוסר כי מדד הדיור עלה בעשירית האחוז. ועדת פרס נובל לשלום קוראת לבייג'ין לאפשר לאלמנתו של חתן הפרס, ליהו, לצאת מגבולות סין. כתבתנו יערה אגמי חורי. בוועדה חוששים לשלומה של אלמנתו של ליהו שאובו, זוכה פרס נובל לשלום שישב בכלא הסיני ונפטר אתמול מקריסת מערכות, לאחר שממשלת סין לא אפשרה לו לצאת ממדינתם על מנת לקבל טיפול ראוי. בוועדה קוראים לסין להסיר את המגבלות על אלמנתו, שבין היתר אוסרות עליה לצאת מגבולות סין. ביממה האחרונה מדינות רבות, ביניהן גרמניה, בריטניה וטיוואן, גינו את התנהלות סין בפרשה. 
התחזית מחר יוסיף להיות שרבי ועומסי חום כבדים עד קיצוניים ישררו ברוב הארץ. בראשון ללא שינוי ניכר, ובשני התקררות קלה. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב, בצוות אילנה בנימין והילה מזרחי. Watch over your soul Guiding every step along your way May you hold deep in your heart The Ahava Hashem gives you every day May the light of Shemayim above Reflect in your eyes So you'll see
Shabbat Shalom. 
Thank you. 
In the AM, Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas Ka Echsof. Great tune, great tune. Uh, before that, Kol Mikade, she heard 613 with Lachadodi Yismuchu, done by Shabbos Dig Otsros. And Yivarecha off of Shabbos a cappella with Sam Glazer here at JM in the AM. 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. 67 degrees, rain and thunder in New York with a high of 73. Candle lighting at 806 on this Erev Shabbos. In the New York area, many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 8.06 for those of us in the New York City vicinity. Malcolm Holmline will join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up here at JM in the AM. So we'll have that conversation for you. Uh, Trying to think what else is going on here I need to convey to everybody. A reminder that our friends on Bedford-on-Park invite you to enjoy a great lunch or dinner. They have reasonably priced lunches. They have amazing dinners as well. Uh, We're recommending the Bedford Burger, the Lamb Bacon, the Barbecue Brisket Sliders. You may have seen our video on the Nahum Single Network Facebook page about the delicious dessert called the Coconut Creme Brulee. Pretty amazing. Seven-ounce eye of rib. You'll see our uh, little ditty about that online. This coming week. It's really an amazing restaurant with delicious dishes. Bedford's got a great reputation. Chef Alex is amazing. Check it out at 61 East 34th Street in New York City. Grateful bar, wonderful party room for your Shevard Brachas, etc. 
61 East 34th, northwest corner of 34th and Park in New York. It's Bedford on Park, brand new, pretty amazing, delicious. Check it out. We highly recommend it. More coming up on a Friday morning broadcast. You are listening to um, to JM and the AM in our three weeks format. Um, and this one comes from Cole Zimra. Yona, Yona Matza, Yona Matza, Vomanoach, Vesham Yanuchu, Yanuchu, Yigi Echoach, Yigi Echoach. Ah, <laughs> 
JM in the AM, Yeshiva Boys, by request here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Uh, Yismachu is the name of that one. Uh, before that, Yerachmiel in Miami with Zachreini. You heard Yom Shabbos undone by Cole Zimra. Friday morning, three weeks format Friday on this Erev Shabbos. Parsha's Pinchas, first of the three Shabbatot in the three weeks. Candle lighting at 8.06 in New York on this Erev Shabbos. Many synagogues begin early. Make sure you know when things start. Where you are, big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, it's a good place to start. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and check it out. And a big hello and shout-out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas is not only dedicated to news about Smachot, but dedicated to interesting and nice news stories from around the Jewish world, which they feature on a daily basis. Get into the habit of checking them out every single morning. It's OnlySimchas.com, and they uh, are... uh, often utilizing our content for some of their great material, and for that, we thank them. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. We call it the Weekly Update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. I appreciate that. The terrible news from Yerushalayim. What's the latest on this uh, terror attack on Harabayat? Um, we know that uh, that even Abbas uh, today um, condemned the uh, the attack, and I know that the, the two police officers uh, uh, were wounded and uh, they died uh, of their wounds. It's, this has been confirmed now, so it's uh, it's really um, a tragedy. And the guy who did it came from Umar Fakhim, which has been a source of the. Uh, extremism and uh, for a long time and a uh, very troublesome area uh, so um, I know that the security cabinet is meeting they were convened right after uh, the attack about uh, two hours ago three hours ago um, General, generally Harabayat the Temple Mount and I know that you know nowhere in Israel unfortunately get, falls into this category but but generally it's been sort of like a, a no-touch zone for terrorism right I mean th- this is a this is a real. I mean, we we know what would happen if if it was you know, if it was the opposite, uh, in terms of uh, um, uh, you know there being a terror attack on those who were who were praying up there. You get my point. Uh, but but generally, even even the terrorists usually stay away from that area. Right. Well, they came down from the Temple Mount with the firearms. We know that uh, periodically. They have been caught storing weapons up there. Wow. And we believe that there there are, uh, whether it was rocks at one time, but uh, in, in general, they, they've had uh, reports and there were discussions with WACF and they supposedly took them off. Uh, but now we've had a series of attacks at soldiers and police, uh, in addition, of course, always some civilians. But right. uh, I think that they're targeting them because they think that the you know there'll be more understanding when you go after somebody in uniform, and you know, of course, the death of the young woman, and which had a profound impact in Israel. And when I was there yesterday for the day, um, it was uh, uh, really still uh, resonating with people. So I think. Um, the the uh, use of the Temple Mount now, will, and this after supposedly new measures were instituted to um, uh, add additional security checks of some kind. I don't know; they have they never revealed what it was, but specifically to address this. So I think you're going to see more restrictions on Friday prayers, and people will call for all sorts of measures. Uh, 
the uh, and and this underscores the need for the Taylor Force Law, which is right now oh, yeah. before Congress. I mean, as we speak, I know that I know that I could predict how rightfully you would react to this question, but understand how I'm asking it. He does react, meaning Abbas, and does condemn it. Uh, is this an exception for him? Generally, he will never uh, open up when it comes to uh, and say anything when it comes to these types of terror attacks. Correct. I think she, he, he didn't uh, condemn the killing of the police officer, the woman, uh, and he was reluctant. It's very rare that he, he does anything of that kind, that we're explicitly condemning a particular attack and always then goes into yelling um, uh, about uh, about Israel and yeah. trying to switch the responsibility. Yeah, the reason I ask it is, is like that is because in this case you'd have to assume it's only because of the location that he felt he had no choice but to open his mouth. Right? Well, also because of the Taylor Force Law now being before Congress. I mean, he knows it. He doesn't. They don't want to see this cut and the, the cut and aid that it would entail. So I think it's that. I think it's the pressure that he's had from. The United States and uh, over this issue, and of course the blatant nature uh, of this. There was no provocation. It was nothing. It never is, and, and when these attacks generally take place. So I think there are a lot of reasons why he felt the need to to say something at this time. Uh, but I, I don't know that it represents some sort of a major shift in his part. Right. And, uh, yeah. and I would assume that uh, it goes without saying that the uh, security up there this afternoon is, uh, is, is, is well reinforced. Well, it's closed. It's, That's it's it. Closed nobody's, uh, nobody's getting in? They're not getting in, and the, uh, everybody who was up there was, was taken off. And that's that. Uh, all right. Um, we go to the um, uh, national political scene in Israel, and um, uh, uh, Gabay beats Peretz in the Labor Party elections, and all of a sudden I'm reading articles about how he certainly could beat Bibi. So, number one, it was a little bit of a surprise that he took the primary, right, that he, that he won it uh, in the runoff. Am I right? That, that was, if, you were, yes. if you were a betting man, you would have, you would have thought Peretz would win. And and the other um, and the other point is, I mean, I know that the media, many parts of the media in Israel, have this great desire to replace the prime minister. So I understand some of it might be, you know, a little bit has to be taken a little bit tongue in cheek or with a grain of salt. But do you think he is beatable? Because BB, till now, we know that's one of the things we always say about him. He's essentially been unbeatable. That's one of the reasons that he's in power so long. Is this candidate suddenly somebody who could turn the tide? Well, I met with him. Um, I was, as I said, I was in Israel for a day, but from the airport I went and met with him. Um, Meaning Gabay. With, with Avi Gabay. He, he's a young guy, he's articulate, he's smart, he's uh, presentable. Uh, he doesn't have a history, really, in, in politics. He was a minister for a short while as a member of Kulanu and resigned. Uh, he was the head of Bezek, uh, and he seems to have uh, made some money. I don't know if Jesse Bezek or other business ventures, uh, but he, he ran a very clever campaign, and it's not so much how he, he beat Peretz, but you have to remember that the, all the candidates, including right. Herzog, that... Uh, he that, had to come in first or second, right? And he did Exactly, it. for right. the runoff. Right. And Herzog came in a distant third. Right. So the... He, he And I saw some of the posters and stuff that he, he utilized in the kind of campaign he ran. Uh, now... On a national scene, though, 
he he will not he's not a member of Knesset, so he can't become the head of the faction. Herzog will remain as chairman of the Knesset faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a gesture, and I think he you know doesn't consider it a threat to his uh, leadership. So he will now have to uh, see whether in the next year or so you have mayor elections and others coming up in eighteen, but the prime minister's race in nineteen. There's talk about a coalition of the left. Uh, whether Kulana would join Arabs from the other side, uh, Merits or or uh, other parties would come together, coalesce in some way. Could would he uh, find a way of of joining with Yair Lapid? Those are all speculative questions. But right now, the latest polls will still show and still do show that Netanyahu is ahead and would get and could would still get the largest number of tickets. It's it's sort of like the the situation here where you know Trump they show low popularity numbers but amongst his core constituency he's still very strong right. and uh, Netanyahu retains the support of the Likud voters who put him in office. Um I I'm I'm not looking for you to reveal anything in a private but I mean when you sit down to a conversation with someone like him is he telling you why it's necessary to replace the prime minister is he complaining to you about all the things that the current pm is doing wrong um no that wasn't the the, the substance of the discussion uh unfortunately today in israel wherever you go the big issue that the people invoke are the scandals i mean literally it's a, a universal issue that is raised because uh this week was <clears throat> another chapter in the uh scandal regarding submarines right which is the latest in, the, in a long series. There have been few convictions, but here you have very key people, including former head of the Navy and uh, a key member of the prime minister's team, put under house arrest and renewed house arrest. So that that was that's really the issue. And and when people begin to lose confidence or feel that uh, you know they build uh, fatigue already about these things, it's. Uh, this is is really the dominant issue, uh, certainly in Israeli politics. You know, they they love this stuff, and the Israeli media, um, you know, will, is oriented towards the left or center left at least, and they eat. They will highlight and promote any of these uh, kind of scandals. So that was the, that is a prime issue. But he talked to me about his uh, larger goals, and we talked about the relationship with American Jewry. Things like that. Um, uh, do all roads? I mean, I know there's the submarine scandal. There's the Bezek scandal. I don't know. If there, are there any others that I'm not aware of? I don't know if there are any others that I'm not aware of. But I mean, yeah, well, the personal ones, you know, with complaints of of workers, and then about the, the so the bottles and the, right. So many of them are just silly. This but one because the, it involves government funding, right? Is, um, this, and because the Bezek one involves his personal relationships and influence he may have had for a friend of his, you know, everyone always loves that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, there are no charges against the prime minister, we should remember, even though right. it doesn't appear that way from the, as it's reported. But it's like, uh, you know, the Kotel story, there, there, there's cores of truth, but there are, or there's so much distortion and misrepresentation. Um, by the way, if you were in Israel this week, is it still a hot issue, the Kotel story? Is it still? A- oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Very is, is, much, there, uh, is there going to be a renewed... It's not for Israelis today. They're concerned about how it impacts American Jewry, and they still are getting the protests, and, and the, you know, the issues are, are not resolved. You have 
uh, a lot of the matters, including the conversion issue, which will, will still come up. Uh, is there a renewed effort for a compromise in Israel itself, or yeah, on the on the Kotel, there are still discussions. And remember that the the discussion is only about the additional area because right. the Ramatzin's Arch area, which will allow for the uh, alternative uh, groups, to, uh, alternative prayer, they they that remains open and is being expanded. So when people find that out, they're surprised because they thought that everything was closed and that, that the decision was. Um, to do away with all, and it's not—it's not true. Yeah. Last week there was there, I think, I think it was over the weekend there was a an attack in uh, the Sinai that killed twenty six. Was it Egyptian soldiers? Twenty two Egyptians. It, yeah. it, um, and who's taking responsibility for that? So this is really a, an important story because it relates to the the larger picture that ISIS. That people think is dead because they're fighting in Raqqa and they're right. losing, they lost in Mosul and they're supposedly under siege. Well, every ISIS. headline you read is, you know, which country and group is destroying ISIS. Like no, nobody's giving them credit for surviving. And they and they do survive each time. And it's not they will they will reshape. You know, the the feeling was, and many groups go through this, where they needed territorial uh, base. And that gave them additional strength. And of course, you can operate differently, and you collect taxes. And uh, like from Mosul, where they made a lot of money from a big city, uh, collecting taxes and kidnapping people and all sorts of other uh, activities. Uh, so ISIS is shifting to they will shift to carrying out terrorist attacks, going back to more of the original uh, style. But uh, the importance of of what we saw there in in the, the Sinai, this attack was going on just as negotiations between Hamas and Egypt about the return of the Hlan, who uh, had been exiled in the UAE for much time and has their backing, that he would come back to try to take over for, in Egypt because Hamas, remember, losing the money from Qatar that campaign now, and Iran has cut back on the funding. Uh, and so have uh, um, Kuwait used to fund them. Others have uh, funded them. Uh, they still receive money from Iran, but it's not the same amount as before. So they uh, are feeling the squeeze. And Egypt wants to break the tie between Hamas and ISIS because these ISIS guys get their weapons uh, through the tunnels uh, of Hamas from the tunnels that go from Sinai to Egypt, from Gaza to Egypt, they are, are treated there. The wounded of ISIS are treated in Gaza. They uh, go there for and are there. There are many connections, including the smuggling of weapons, still from Libya, but elsewhere as well, that uh, goes through. And also Hamas people are involved in the attacks. That some of them have signed on with ISIS. And, of course, whoever pays them the most, will, they will go with. So they they have signed up and and including some of these attack on on the Israeli on the Egyptian uh, soldiers. So the the um, uh, this area the, this whole uh, conflict is is integrally related with the broader picture and especially about uh, the attempts by Egypt to pacify and and destroy uh, ISIS, which they've invested a lot in doing. They haven't exactly achieved it yet. And the um, uh, potential here for some sort of a move, longer-term move, uh, which would see the electricity restored and money coming in and uh, projects, and it seems Israel is supportive of this as well. They literally pay for recruits. They uh, absolutely they pay for recruits, 
And, and, and the, and the I, question here is, will they, will Hamas continue uh, this, this this support and and allow them all the freedoms that uh, ISIS, the freedoms that they've had, and uh, and the very fact that those discussions that were taking place as the attack happened, and Hamas has to prove to Egypt that they can control the movement of terrorists. Then Egypt will will provide the fuel for electricity. Otherwise, they will keep the border closed and stop the the shipments. And it's created tremendous pressure within uh, within Gaza. And Abbas has been pressuring Israel not to provide these things as well. So, remembering that if the terrorists and ISIS come from the membership members of Hamas. And these guys are trained in using weapons and explosives and digging the tunnels. So this this is for Egypt a vital issue, as it is for Israel. Um, we always talk about the uh, uh, how well funded Hezbollah is, um, Hamas to a degree. You know, again, depending on the who has what type of relationship at the point with Iran, et cetera, et cetera. Is is ISIS well funded as well? Like, is money not an issue with any of these groups? You know, if, if if somebody really is going for the highest bidder in terms of being recruited, they have plenty of offers out there? Well, first of all, terrorist groups don't need a lot of money. You know, it's not like a standing army. And they they But they do need uh, funds to feed and to arm and to train. But it, it is, doesn't require the kind of uh, the amounts that we are normally talk about when we talk about defense forces uh, or offensive forces. Here also... The, uh, the their method is to tax the people. They were making the money from the oil. You remember when in in Syria when they took over, they took the oil rich region and they were charging per barrel a fee for everything, every truck that they would allow to take oil out or in. And they were selling oil to the Syrian government while they were at war with them. The um, uh, they do get some outside uh, funding, but I think it's it's uh, less. They kidnap people, and you might. It might sound uh, not serious, but it, it it amounts to many, many millions and millions of dollars that they take in ransom payments. They also charge people not to serve. Wow. So, and by the way, it's not just there. Iran, the same thing. Iran has a line item in its budget of a couple hundred million dollars that people pay not to have to serve in the Army. So a real fine. They, they fine them for a... Uh... For yeah. staying out, yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense. Or you buy a way out is another yeah. way. I guess, I guess in the old days they just forced you to actually be drafted, but now they have a better way to uh, to, to capitalize on it. So. And and what, also because people tend to lump all these groups together, and it is hard to know where the Muslim Brotherhood was ISIS, Al Qaeda, and Iran. But Iran is fighting ISIS because it blocks that highway that I've talked about many times, because I think it's really significant, that goes from Iran through Iraq and, and Syria to Lebanon. We'll bring it up to Israeli border. We'll enable them to smuggle, to bring weapons in uh, all, all along the route and to provide it to Hezbollah without facing Israeli uh, air campaigns and efforts to, to stop it. It won't stop uh, Israel's efforts to prevent sophisticated weapons from reaching uh, Hezbollah, but it, it would make a big difference if uh, they were able to ship the weapons uh, through northern Iraq and Syria uh, to Hezbollah, and they call it the resistance highway. So the the absence of, of ISIS opens up the area, and then the United States is trying to fill it, 
and to contain the the uh, resistance highway. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline, it's the weekly update. He is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, speaking about uh, Israel and the Jewish world. Um Tell me about uh, Bibi's reaction to uh, to the UNESCO um, a vote that we spoke about last Friday. They declare the um, uh, they declare Marat Machpelah, the Cave of the Patriarchs, as a Palestinian heritage site. Uh, Bibi has uh, something to say about this on Sunday. Tell me wh- how he reacted and what you thought of it. Well, he reacted with a, a lot of anger, uh, as he should have, but we should have been doing this for two years, as, at least as long as we've been discussing it on this program and warning about the implications of this. And people even now react with skepticism about it, and they say, you know, so what difference does it make? It's a huge difference. Number one, it's an historical injustice to deny Jews the connection to all of their most sacred places. But think about it, what your grandchildren will face when they are barred from going into the, the Harabayat, the, the Kotel, Rachel's tomb, the Cave of the Patriarchs, all of these of the most sacred places. And believe me, it's not over. They'll go after other places, too. And these are declared Muslim heritage sites, not Christian and not Jewish. All of our history wiped out. And they will say, you have no right to go to these places. Look, the United Nations, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 30 years ago, declared all of these to be Muslim places. They're not, it's not Jew, nothing to do with Jewish heritage. And, you, and it, it has implications. It's a declaration. It limits Israel's right for archaeological things and all sorts of other uh, side effects. But the declaration itself is a, you know, a refutation of 3,800 years of Jewish history, a denial of that history. Because they're trying to cut us off from from our land and and the the whole tradition, our heritage. Now, I can't understand why the Christian community is so indifferent to this. And I will speak about it at the Christians United for Israel conference coming up next week. To that that we need to hear from them as well to to express outrage. I know Pastor Hagee has, but by and large they've been silent. And Christian countries. Catholic countries have voted sometimes for these resolutions, and now the vote is, has been diminished, and we're seeing a, a change in that regard, but still far from, from what it should be. Yeah. So, let, let me go back to BB for a second. Because, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, the, the indifferent attitude, and I'm being kind, I think, saying it that way, that he's had toward Hevron, I think actually um, uh, lent a little bit of. Uh, of this tone to um, uh, to everybody who follows Chevron, everybody who you know around the world who uh, who, who um, was judging whether UNESCO is right or wrong to do this. That's the first thing. But all right, we could sit and debate that forever in terms of whether he really um, has effectively uh, connected the Jewish people to Chevron over the last couple of decades. But more importantly, um, he, he decides to set aside a million dollars that should have gone to UNESCO or to the UN. You could explain how that happens and establish a, a Jewish heritage center in the holy city of Hebron. That is, what type of reaction is that, as far as you're concerned? Well, first of all, he has limited reactions that are available to him, except uh, that you build and you create facts on the ground. But, uh, you know, I impressed him for a long time about the failure to answer UNESCO properly, which is not um, uh, with emotional arguments, but we have all the archaeological proof why haven't they convened the world's great archaeologists to talk about the facts of who, 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 who sites these are? 
because they're non-Jews, they're people who have been doing excavations in Israel for, for decades, who can testify and give testimony to it. And I, I have to say that I, I was somewhat critical of his reaction uh, on the first round, because I thought it, it made light of the decision, uh, when they compared it to say that the, 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 to deny the connection of Jews with Jews is like uh, saying peanut butter and jelly, and right. I thought rock and roll don't go together. Um, and I understand that he was trying to diminish it and to, to make fun of it, you know, like Shamir said, um, shmoom, and dismiss it, but it's, it can't be dismissed. This is an historical record that now U.N. documents only mention the Haram al-Sharif for Temple Mount or, or Al-Burak's wall for the Kotel. And, uh, and I think in Hebron itself, the uh, a reaffirmation, maybe a visit there should have taken place. There are Malcolm, other things. Malcolm, did you happen. did you roll your eyes when he threw a million dollars at Chevron? No, I, it, it, because I I think he was looking for something demonstrative that he could do, something that would say you know reaffirm their commitment and and tie the the history of of uh, of the Jewish people to to the city. It's not well known, and people. You know, because the focus has always been so much on Jerusalem that little effort is made and little investment is made in really telling the story of Hebron, which is, you know, preceded Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish people. Right. And we have the deed. The whole, the whole Judeo-Christian tradition accepts the biblical account of Abraham buying it. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's one of the most blatant and, and oldest contracts in the world. Yeah. Or maybe the oldest in history. Yeah, I believe that. We've always been taught that, that's for sure. Tell me about this water deal that was negotiated by Jason Greenblatt this week. Well, this actually it was negotiated over a number of years, and uh, this is a, a proposal that has been excellent for, for a long time. It deals with the water supply, and the um, so the, the question is what, uh, what the significance, the, the fact that Abbas did not participate in it, it was negotiators from both sides, that's Achian Egbi from the Israeli side, and I think Saib Arakat, uh, or someone else from the Palestinian side. Um, and, I, and I do believe that this is uh, a way to go, which is to take incremental steps to create uh, facts. Israel turned over a power station to the Palestinians, things that affect quality of life, that make a change on the ground, that there's not going to be direct negotiations on borders and stuff right now, because Abbas clearly is not ready for it, we're not interested, and then so much pressure, et cetera, are, is brought to bear on him. Uh, the addition of uh, David Friedman now to the team, and the Abbas wouldn't meet with him in Ramallah, said only in Jerusalem, so he met with um, some of the negotiators uh, from the team, um, from the Palestinian negotiating team, um, but but this is what Bibi and others have said, and many other, many others have articulated for a long time: is you have to keep the dynamic moving. You got to show the people on the ground that there is progress, that things are changing, and their their general life conditions are not that great. That that this kind of a measure, when you show them that they're that we're acting on their water, you're acting on quality of life issues. Uh, providing uh, additional uh, assistance, right. that makes a difference. Yeah. And, well, and then it, it sort of fills the void of the absence of the bigger 
negotiations, and you see the pressure for that still continues. You can't enforce it, and you don't have a guy in Abbas who's ready to negotiate. Right, but also it seems, and it's, I think Seth Siegel pointed this out in the, I don't know when his op-ed is appearing, Mr. Water, and I say that with great compliments, of course, um, but he wrote an op-ed, and essentially what I got from it was that uh, you know when you have when you have a partner on the other side who's actually willing to acquiesce and sit down, you'll see the benefit of discussions with Israel, and that's one of the things we learn here. I don't know if it's Abbas or if it's really more that the that this is one of the areas water, you know, you know we know how important it is. Water's one of the only areas that they're willing to you know to actually deal with and to make a deal for because it's so vital. Everything else I don't think is as vital to them. I don't know if peace is as vital to them as water is for their people. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, and, and in many regions, many places in the Middle East, water is the, the it, well, it's everywhere the source of life, but uh, Israel, which has moved expeditiously to become water self-sufficient and has offered this repeatedly to the Palestinians to to help and to try to get them from poisoning the aquifers and and uh, now with the shelf of electricity for instance in Gaza people don't know but this is causing tremendous pollution problems on the Mediterranean coast because they're not uh, refining they're not uh, processing the garbage and stuff it's it's being dumped and it and it it, it feeds into the sea uh, 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 in, in its raw nature. So the the things again that people don't think about and that impacts Israel as well. The the water issue you're right it's one of the most sensitive issues. Uh, Israel has it provides water to Jordan. They have understandings that go back longer. And Israel has been very generous in its uh, in its. Um, response to the needs of of Jordan and the Palestinians it, the the problem is that they don't take the steps you know there's a lot of illegal leaking up linking up to the pipes which leads to le- leakage and it it uses and it wastes a huge amount of water because they won't enforce the laws and and have people use the traditional ways and the PA itself does not invest in it and it leads to, um, I mean, I guess what you just said, it leads to waste. And let them, and, and to, but, but big amounts, and let them stop paying the money to the terrorists and use that money to build a, a, a sewage system and water transfers, uh, uh, pipes, etc. It will be a greater contribution. Uh, you heard about what's going on in Canada. Israeli wines that have a Made in Israel label have been ordered removed from the shelves. That, that's been rescinded. Oh, it's they, over with? Over. It's been rescinded. <laughs> and I know the Warfare Project for Oakland, I know that Canadian Jewish groups worked on it. What happened um, in 24 hours? It, it was rescinded very quickly wow. by uh, the minister. But it's, I, I think it's, it's uh, better to say that it's under review. Right. The, the decision itself has been suspended. It, it affected um, two, two uh, wines that from Israel uh, made in, in, in the, the territories, including Sagot. And the um, uh, but the the implications of it are very serious. That once you start this, it's a slippery slope. It starts going to all the products, and the the question is, could they be labeled labeled made in Israel? And you know, in Europe, many places they um, confiscate items that come from West Bank if they're marked made in Israel. So this is it's a serious matter. It's part of the BDS campaign, uh, the boycott against Israel, and and so the. Canadian government moving quickly to rescind it is important. By the way, um, um, there are people who are calling for um, 
uh, Nassau Coliseum to not allow Roger Waters uh, to perform there. Um, I, I, we've discussed so many times on this, you know, during this segment, you know, boycotts and how to go about this. Um, and, and a lot of people are happy about it, of course, you know, that uh, people can get refunds on their tickets and they're demanding that he not play there. Uh, what's your opinion? I know, I know that we should be outspoken certainly about what he says and things like that, but should we be calling for boycotts and silencing him in that way? So this is a, a long debate, as you mentioned, and there are people on both sides who care about the issue, who agree on the substance, but don't agree about the tactics. But here you have somebody who's been so blatant, in, and, and not only did he, does he himself boycott Israel and announces it all the time, but he has used uh, his uh, ability to pressure others uh, other performers and to threaten them and to cajole them according to reports and to, um, uh, to get them to boycott Israel as well. A real so this, bully pulpit. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, but, but, you know, and, and spreading these slanderous accusations against Israel in the process. So I think people have a right to, to, to say, we do not believe that this facility, and uh, I don't know who owns it, but I'm pretty sure it's owned by, uh, it's uh, governmentally owned, uh, the Nassau Coliseum, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, I think that they have a, a right to say that a public facility should not be given over to somebody who has so publicly uh, campaigned against Israel and to to make, if at the very least, make people aware when they're buying tickets to understand that uh, Pink Floyd is not something that they should be uh, supporting. Is there any uh, better way for the Rabbanut to go about um, uh, making public some of the information they want to dispense um, than some of the ways they've done so recently? You know, we talked about the Kotel earlier. We are looking for unity. We're looking for, you know, a softer approach between one another. You've always encouraged us on that because it's the, it's the, it's the much better way of handling things. Uh, but sometimes these lists and... Um, and their proclamations, uh, I think, come out the wrong way or are done or mistimed or done improperly. Uh, is this a topic that came up during your one-day visit to Israel this week? Well, again, it's one. It's part of the ongoing uh, discussion uh, triggered by the cocktail. But so, uh, first of all, overall, I think wisdom in a lot of these this dictate it would dictate not releasing any of this this supposedly was a uh, you're talking about the blacklisting of certain rabbis uh, yeah. or quote blacklisting and uh, the chief rabbi came out furious about it it was never meant to be public or it, it maybe it was so just raw information that was not really uh, finalized and, and not approved uh, so the first thing is that this should not be going to the public at all until there is uh, there's, uh, some verification. And if it's true, I think it's a practice that is offensive to, to most and, and uh, should be done very carefully. I'm not saying that, that, that you know, we, we don't get into, I don't get into these issues because they're halachic issues, and, you know, this has to be the, discussed in a very sensitive and a, and a higher level, and the content and the, the, the decisions uh, about whose conversions are accepted and not accepted is very sensitive. Uh, but I think that the overall behavior here and the the leak the the fact that people leak uh, sensitive information and uh, are engaged in in these activities is is disturbing. So I think that the Ramanut should be thinking two, three, four times about what they say and how they say it. Amen to that. 
Finally, uh, Iran is building long-range ballistic missiles in Syria. Is this a surprise? Uh, no, because if you remember, I told you they were building these underground factories, so now we, we learn that they are trying to uh, assemble and build the uh, missiles in in, Syria, in uh, Lebanon. This avoids the attacks. Israel has been, as you know, hitting them pretty ha- uh, hard uh, and trying to take them out, any of the advanced weapons uh, that transverse uh, through Syria. It doesn't mean that they get it all the time. And now um, Israel has to face both the presence in Lebanon and the fact that Hezbollah is an integral part of the Lebanese army and Lebanese government. Um, but but here you have uh, some more uh, serious considerations for Israel because of the growing military presence of Iran in Syria, where they believe that there are you know, maybe six, 7,000 Hezbollah fighters and 7,000 Iraqis, but you have uh, twenty to 30,000 Afghan Shia. You also have about 100,000 Shia militiamen in Iraq, and the Shia massing on the borders, on the joint borders, and uh, they built up also pro-Assad militia of local Syrians, which are called the National Defense Forces, which also has tens of thousands of members, and it is the Iranians and all of their linked groups that are keeping them in power. Therefore, Russia wants to keep Iran there because they keep, they guarantee and, and seem to keep uh, Assad uh, in power. But the, the you know the United States, Israel is pressing. Uh, the Russians and everybody about the safe zones, and there's even talk of Israel creating some sort of uh, an army on the Syrian border, uh, utilizing Syrians and and people who are sympathetic, and uh, maybe Druze and others who who would uh, join together to try to protect both the Jordanian border and uh, and the border with the Golan. But the Iranians are are clearly invested heavily there. They're not going to get out. They're they're building their bases. And this is, is something that is uh, is going to continue. We see them also, by the way, uh, when when you talk about the cost of money, you know, the Houthis uh, control Baba Mandab the, to get, and the Iranians, in fact, control it uh, through them and the Straits of Hormuz. And I've discussed this many times and won't do it now, but to understand the strategic importance, we understand that they are making booby-trapped boats that will go there and can attack at will. And we have, the United States has many military ships that transverse there. Uh, the oil for the West, uh, 60% of it, uh, it transverses these uh, straits. Um, these are all very serious issues that, you know, don't get the attention. But the fact that Iran is repopulating Syria with Shiites and, and moving the, the Sunnis out, um, they are... Um, uh, and their gains in, in Mosul uh, make it easier for them to, to move the weapons. Uh, all of these things are interrelated. What we said before about the resistance highway, what we see in terms of, of the, the new offensive uh, of uh, Assad in, in certain areas. He took 20 villages in, in southern Syria near Sueda, which was left out of the agreement for some reason. And Israel... Uh, wants to keep the buffer. Right now they are quiet, and you don't have any errant fire because the ceasefire applies to that uh, uh, to that area. But Iran is building new uh, military facilities in Syria. They're building their capacity there, and uh, this is uh, represents a long-term danger 
uh, to Israel. Unbelievable. All right. Thank you so much, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak Good again Shabbos. next week. There he is, Malcolm Holine, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, Fridays, 740 Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. By the way, Matis informs me that today is my 8,500th show at JM in the AM. I thank Matis, first of all, for keeping track of that over the last 34 years. But he says it's 8,500, which is uh, hard to believe, frankly. My gosh. Thank you, Matis. And by the way, speaking of Matis, uh, this coming Sunday he will uh, he will feature on JM Sunday. Let me get the exact information here. He will feature on uh, JM Sunday. Um, the uh, Rabbi Shmuel Weiss of Real Clear Daf. It's an app and website for Daf Yomi, realclearedaf.com, realclearedaf.com. And, of course, uh, Daf Yomi goes from, on Monday to Tuesday, goes from Baba Basra to Sanhedrin. So, Mazal Tov to everybody who's concluding Baba Basra from all of us here at um, JM in the AM. And JM Sunday with Matis, of course, happens this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, on the Nahum Siegel Network. Mazel tov to Danielle, Daniel, Daniela and Daniel Seligson, birth of a baby boy, and to older brother Max, and to Lavia, and to proud, proud grandparents Ruby and Bobby Kaplan, and Sandy and Jerry Seligson. That's on our app. I thank Ruby for that, and mazel tov to all of you from all of us here at JM in the AM. All righty. Uh, so Mazal Tov. Also, I got a happy birthday email from listener uh, Sina. A big happy birthday shout out to Rashalea Gifter of Staten Island celebrating birthday number 11. Uh, Lasha Lou, we can't believe you're such a big girl already. We love you tons and hope you have a fabulous day and a wonderful year. And Mazal Tov to Rashalea's big sister, Hannah Miriam Gifter, celebrating birthday number 19 tomorrow. Hannah, Miri, how on earth are you 19 already? We're proud of your accomplishments. We love you to the moon and back. Wishing you a spectacular day, a terrific summer, an absolutely amazing year ahead. Enjoy your last year as a teenager. Much love from Bubby and Zadie. We, of course, refer to them as Ira and Cena down in Florida, and we wish them the very best from all of us here at JM in the AM. All right, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Pinchas. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Pinchas contains six positive mitzvos. Not only the laws of inheritance, it has the laws of karbonos, Musaf, the Karban Tamid, which hopefully we'll come back to, the daily offerings brought in the Beis HaMikdash morning and afternoon, and uh, it has as well, interestingly, the mitzvah of Tkiyas Shofar uh, in this week's parsha of Pinchas. A lot more is happening in the parsha in terms of a successor named for Moshe, namely Yehoshua. And I'd like to share with you an interesting agadita. The Gemara is found in Ta'anis 29a. 
And there, 29a, towards the bottom, the Gemara tells us, given that we are in this period of the three weeks, I thought it would be appropriate to share this piece of uh, Talmud with you and a very fascinating understanding thereof. The Gemara tells us that when the time came for the destruction of the first base Hamikdash, so the Pirche Kahuna, the young Kohanim, had the keys to the Heichal. The Heichal, my friends, is the sanctuary which is in the base Hamikdash, the enclosed want to call it a building which had in it a the menorah b the shulchan the special table and c the mizbeach hazahav the golden altar beyond that in that structure was the paroches the curtain and beyond which was the kodesh hakadoshim the holy of holies that the kohen gadol entered one day a year, four times on Yom HaKippurim. When the Heichal was ablaze, the young Kohanim went to the roof of the Heichal, of the sanctuary, and they threw upward towards heaven the keys to this building, to this Heichal. And they proclaim to God that unfortunately we who were not proper gizborim, proper uh, persons of taking care of treasures of this structure we are now returning the keys to you. They threw it up towards heaven and the Talmud goes on to tell us that a hand came down from the heaven, a palm, and took them. And then these young Kohanim jumped into the fire. Now, the question is, like, what might we learn from this rather esoteric piece of Talmud? Comes along Rabbi Yosef Salant, in his Be'er Yosef and offers the very interesting, insightful explanation. He says that if you could picture what was and please God will be, the Beis HaMikdash area is really divided into two areas. There is the outer area which is called the Azara, the courtyard, where literally hundreds of thousands of persons were able to stand. It was larger than Lahavdil, a football field. And the inner sanctuary, that's called the Azora, the courtyard. And then there is the inner sanctuary, which is the Heichal. And the Gemara tells us in Shabbos that an individual that has Torah and does not have Yirash Shamayim, he might have the knowledge of Torah, but doesn't have the proper character and fear 
of heaven to what may be compared he may be compared to a treasurer who has the key to the vault but doesn't have the key to the outer door what good is it he can't get in without the key to the outer door and similarly what we are being taught he says is that these two parts of the sanctuary the heichal the building itself the sanctuary was the seat of Torah the menorah represents Chachma and the Shulchan represents the support of the Jewish people and Torah while the Azara, the outer courtyard, that reflects the attribute of Yira, of piety, character development, and that's based upon the uh, Talmud in Bavabasra 21a, whereby the Talmud says that one ate the second tithe in Yerushalayim, as the Pasuk says, Leman Tilmadliyira, so that you would come to fear God. And Tosfos goes on to explain that by seeing the Kohanim in their service in the Azara, by seeing the Sanhedrin, which met as part of the Beis Hamikdash complex, all this was very helpful in infusing. Yerashamayim, literally the fear of heaven, into those that came to visit the Beis Hamikdash. So, once again, the Heichal, the sanctuary, was the seat of Torah. Now, what does that mean? It was the seat of Torah. It means that literally from this building there was a natural emanation of Torah into the world. And so when one put time and effort into the study of Torah, the Heichal itself emanated the, uh, if I can use the term, environment and Shefa, which is an overflow of wisdom that came from this building known as the Heichal of the Beis Hamikdash, and that assisted the individual in their study of Torah, accumulation of Torah. Ouch! Now that the Beis Hamikdash has been destroyed, the Kohanim took these keys and they are throwing it upward to heaven saying that now that this Shefa overflow of wisdom has unfortunately stopped now one has to turn heavenward toward Sayato Dishmaya towards God's bestowing this gift onto man and indeed the Gemara in Nida 70b tells us that Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania was asked by the people of Alexandria, what should a person do to become wise in Torah?
He said to them, One, Yarbet b'yeshiva, b'yemayi b'schora. Put the emphasis on the right syllable, which means put your focus on to study and minimize your actual business, meaning go into business with somebody, a Yisachar, Zavulon relationship, whereby one tribe, the tribe of Yisachar studied, the tribe of Yehu, of Zavulon supported the tribe of Yisachar with the benefit of the study of Yisachar going to Zavulon that one hand washes the other. So the Talmud goes on to say that many tried this, namely to study and yet they were not successful in becoming accomplished Talmidei Chachamim. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya continued and he said Elo, what should you do? Yivakesh rachamim. Let the one who wants to be successful in Torah, let him plead for mercy. Mimi, from the one, shachachma shalom, from the one who literally is the repository of wisdom, namely from God. Namely, one has to daven. And then, and only with a combination of you putting in the effort, and secondly, you're praying to Hashem for success in your learning, then and only then will you become that Torah scholar. What a powerful, important lesson this is. The key to Chachmas HaTorah is upstairs. True, we have to do ours, but we have to daven. Now, especially davening is important all year long, but when we find ourselves in the three weeks, in an aced sara, in a time literally of difficulty and challenge to the Jewish people, so we know that a response to this time is always with prayer. But I am strongly recommending not just prayer in general, but specifically when we come to the fourth bracha in Shmona Esrei, Atochonein Adam Das, you God are the one who graciously endows man with wisdom. So clearly you should Keep in mind, Hashem, please enable me to understand your Torah. And as we pray each and every morning with our Birchas Torah, the Sivanu La'asuk, may our time that we spend studying Torah be one of serious nature as we would and do give to our business. V'harev, and may it be sweet. We're going to work hard at it, but we should enjoy it. V'harevna. And then realize that Baruch Hashem no sein ha-Torah. It's you are the one who gives the Torah, and as the Gemara in Nida is telling us, you are the one that gives us the Shefa. You are the one that literally gives the overflow of knowledge to help us. And the concept of tefillah is found very much 
in Parshas Pinchas. If you turn to the beginning of the fourth chapter of Brachos on page Chavav Amid Beis 26b, there's a basic machlokes, our prayer. Does it come from the Avos, Avram Shachris, and Yitzhak Mincha, and Yaakov Mayriv? Or no, as Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, that our tfilos are keneged tmidim tiknam, that our prayers correspond to the daily Tamid offering, and our Shachris every morning corresponds to the Korban Tamid, the daily constant sacrifice that was offered in the morning, and our prayer in the afternoon was for corresponding to the Korban that was brought in the afternoon. And in addition, when the Gemara says regarding Avraham, that Avraham stood and he prayed, and how do we know that standing is associated with prayer? So the Gemara sends you to Tilim 106, verse 30, which is King David's recapitulation of the history in the desert. And he says, Vayamod Yitzchok Vayifaleo. And Yitzchok, I'm sorry, Pinchas, forgive me, Vayamod Pinchas from our parsha, Vayifaleo. And what does that mean? So the Targum on that verse says, The come Pinchas Vitzale. Pinchas, as the Gemara understands it, stood and prayed. And therefore, the concept of prayer, which is found so strongly in this parsha, is one that has to speak to us and tell us that especially at this time, we are to improve our prayer. And our prayer should be not only for that which we need in the realm of our material and physical needs, but our prayer should be in the realm of spirituality. Help us for success in Torah learning. Help us in our performance of mitzvos that we can, please God, serve you. And hence we pray, especially at this time, hasten the redemption. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. 613 with Shiru Lamelech. I thank you for tuning in. Uh, I thought David Mandel was going to join us again. It's, uh, the truth is he may, uh, it's possible he may call in the next couple of minutes. Uh, whether he does or not, let me uh, take this opportunity to remind you about a very important event, which actually begins tonight, but the, the big part of it, which is open to the public, is tomorrow night, Saturday night. It's a weekend of addiction awareness, a weekend of addiction awareness at Woodlake Village on Lou Street in Woodridge, New York. Uh, tonight, Dr. Norman Blumenthal speaks. Tomorrow, Dr. Tamar Perlman at 5 p.m. Tomorrow night, which is open to the public and free admission, you're all invited to come from far and wide in the Catskill region to Woodlake Village uh, for this weekend of addiction awareness. And here are by Zachariah Wallerstein, Dr. Akiva Perlman, and Dr. Norman Blumenthal. We'll all be ad- addressing the crowd tomorrow night beginning at 10.15 ohelfamily.org has information. You could also call 1-800-603-OHEL, 1-800-603-OHEL. And that is a, a presentation of both OHEL and Amudim um, uh, over Shabbos and tomorrow night up at Woodlake Village. Uh, our lineup coming up, it's a table for two encore with Naomi Nachman and the Joy of Kosher's Jamie Geller, Tamar Genger, Schiffer and Shlomo Klein, and Laura Frankel, plus Basi Shemtov and Honey Kutarovsky, from Detroit Soul Cafe, and Danielle Renoff from PeasLovinCarrots.com. Um, uh, that's what's happening today, starting at 9 a.m. with Naomi Nachman until 10 o'clock. Um, uh, don't forget, Kedem presents our Arab Shabbos music mix all the way from 10 a.m. until candlelighting time. Thank you very much, our friends at Kedem, doing that. That's 10 a.m. all the way until candlelighting time. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis, as we said, is on JM Sunday live beginning at the 7 a.m. 
Eastern time this coming Sunday. Matis on Sunday has Rabbi Shmuel Weiss of Real Clear Daf, realclearedaf.com. He'll be on on Sunday. A reminder, Baba Basra ends on Monday. Sanhedrin begins Tuesday. Mazal Tov to all who, those who are completing Baba Basra. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Pinchas with candle lighting at 8.06 in New York. 8.06. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. All right. I want to thank those who have been commenting on our app. It's an amazing way to be in touch with us, and I thank you for that. Our app is really uh, is really an amazing way to um, to stay connected with us, and I'm glad that uh, so many people are. Um, this is a selection from uh, Ari Goldwag. He has taken a very popular song, one of his popular songs. And turned into an acapella version. Here it is at JM in the AM.
up on a Friday morning hour of Shabbos. Parsha's Pinchas, candle lighting at 8.06. I thank you all for tuning in. Saturday night single with Avrami tomorrow night. It's Matis with JM Sunday, Sunday morning. Uh, between 7 and 9 a.m. Monday, we're back starting at 6. A big shout-out to Camp Masora getting ready for visiting day this coming Sunday. To everybody enjoying summer in summer camp. For those visiting every uh, all the summer camps on Sunday, we say... 
excuse me, a special good Shabbos shout out from all of us at JM and the AM. The sun is going down, it's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by, become a memory. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Say good job Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day Together with The Holy One Say special blessing On a cup That's filled with wine Man and his creator It's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator is a very special sign My brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app.
wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. And, of course, Naomi Nachman is next. Uh, she'll be followed by the uh, Erev Shabbos music mix uh, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a great weekend. Happy visiting day to those who have it. And a big shout-out to everybody at Camp Masora who's tuned in. Till next time, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Thank you.